What's up, everyone? We are back for night two of the Republican National Convention 2020. My name is Matt Binder of Doomed. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So, say that again, Jared. I am Cheerful from Shitpost. And that song is possibly my favorite song of at least the past day. It is it is amazing. That is um that is Nick Lutzko who uh, used to do a lot of the funny stuff, uh, the funny music stuff for uh, Super Deluxe. Uh, you might you might be familiar with him for the uh, the what was it the emo Trump uh, video. That's that's my that's my fave. That's where I know him from most. Of, that's the thing. That's, that's where most people would know him from. Um, so yeah, Jared. Uh, you're watching on youtube.com slash Matt Binder. Feel free to drop, drop in the live stream chat, uh, super chat, and we will, your questions, comments, and we will get to them during the show. Uh, night two, man. We're already yeah. like, I feel like we're already, I feel, I feel like how I expected to feel at the end of night four. <laughs> right. You know, we are only halfway here, but, uh, you know, we have two more shows to do after this. Uh, but this was a weird one. Like, you know, night two, and we'll get into this later, but it, it kind of left me with a weird feeling in my mouth. You know, it was like the, this portrait of Trump that I just totally don't recognize from covering this for the last four years. But like I said, we'll get into this, uh, you know, soon enough. But in the meantime, you know, I also want to be like Dan Bongino. You know, that song is a banger. Props to Nick for that thing. Uh, It's so good. It is. I feel like uh, a part of me really would just like to talk about that song for the next hour. But alas, I think people are expecting expecting a little more from us. Uh, But, you know, it it was... uh, my take on tonight, let's let's start like with this. My take on tonight is that when you compare it to yesterday, I feel like the speeches were a little bit more dry. Uh, mm. We didn't get the the McCluskey, whatever their I can never never gonna remember that last name. The gun couple, you know, we didn't have uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle with her uh, rousing speech, where she, echoing through the halls. You know, we didn't get teary eyed Don Jr. We got, honestly, a Tiffany Trump speech where I, I, I fell into a daze, to be quite frank. It took me about 20 minutes following the Tiffany Trump speech for me to snap out of this daze. I just, just was just, just so... Just... It was so potent, so intoxicating, <laughs> you know, so compelling that, you know, Matt was sitting here. Right. You know, we're texting back and forth. He's just like, you know what, man? I think I, think I have to do it. I think I have to vote for Trump. And I was right. like... Tiffany Matt, won me li- over. Matt, Matt, listen to yourself, man. Come on, snap out of this. Snap out right. of this. Right. <laughs> Tiffany, Tiffany won, won me over. You know, I saw, I saw that infectious smile of hers. <laughs> All right, but uh, okay. So then we get to the next Trump kid. You know, Eric Trump. And I will say, I, I was, I was touched by the end of his speech, 
which um, to summarize for people who didn't watch, uh, you know, he did the usual, uh, my dad did this and this and this and will save America from the, the, the intolerant left. But then the end of the speech, it was a little bit like this. Dad, I miss you so much. Please come, come back home. Call me, please, daddy. Why don't we talk anymore? It was like amazing to watch him actually say, I'm going to use these last moments to, to talk to my dad because, I mean, he didn't say this next part, but frankly, he doesn't give me the time of day. So he's got no choice but to watch this. Right, right. You know, it's it, it's one of those things where it's like in the fan fiction universe adjacent to Trump world, like this is so funny, right? <laughs> you know, it, it like what he's doing is a rhetorical device, but you know, in the broader, like, resistance lib narrative or whatever that, like, portrays the Trump children as, like, just being, like, you know, Don Trump Jr. just being, like, Dad, I love you so much. You have no idea. Like, please pick up the phone, you know? Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, oh, it's so funny. So speaking, funny. Speaking off of that, though, one thing that's really interesting, and I guess it, it does speak to that, basically, where the, the kids uh don't know their dad really it seems like or, or don't know him anymore um it, it, there there's an, in those speeches from Tiffany and Eric and yesterday with Don Jr there is talk of Trump just like everybody else talks of Trump he's some sort of iconic american americana president he is a real american he did, does this for the country and that for the country. Obviously, we'll insert whatever you'd like that's untrue because they are making shit up. But uh, there's never any talk about Trump the dad, Trump the man. I mean, Eric almost went there in the end. But again, even then, it was mostly just, you are my dad. That That's it. There's never like... <laughs> you know, you, you know, like, this is, you know... And I, and I have a message to my father... You are my father. Right, right. That's as personal <laughs> as they get. There's never like, you know, and, and I saw Ashley Feinberg tweet out how last time Tiffany spoke, she talked about the time her dad sent her a letter. <laughs> that, that was her RNC speech in 2016. And I guess that got a little bit more to it. But again, I mean, if I was to talk about my dad on a platform, I would have some great personal stories that, you know, Obviously, you have stories you wouldn't tell in public, but then there's stories that, you know, are personal, but would make good stories to share. They don't seem to have any of those. I mean, receiving a letter from your dad isn't really a story. Telling your dad you miss him because he's the president of the United States and you don't see him anymore, that's not really a personal story. That's not really connecting someone in your dad's position with the common man, which is really the purpose of those stories. Uh, when they tell them at these sorts of things. And, and you know, right. if they were the type of, you know, if they were some sort of like, uh, you know, rough and tumble family who didn't want to take part in these, you know, these, these, these legacy type things that are expected of these hoity-toity high uh, uh, life people and, and people in power, that would be one thing. But uh, we're talking about the Trump family. <laughs> I mean... They need to do that sort of stuff, and I just feel like they don't have those stories to tell. They just—it's—it's it's not that they don't want to, to, you know, they just don't have them. Right, right, exactly. I—I I mean, there's just this like—it—it it just feels lacking these personal and 
uh, anecdotes that they have for their father. Um, you know, say what you will about, you know, whatever the talking points are about the Trump administration's wins on policy or in cultural and social battlegrounds, you know, which, you know, have varying degrees of truth, you know, uh, that's the diplomatic way of saying that. Um, but the personal anecdotes they offered up seemed lacking, you know, it, it, it's kind of a stark contrast from the DNC last week. You know, you had a few speakers talk about how Joe Biden uh, has experienced deep personal loss in his life, the death of several close family members, and using that as kind of a, a leverage point to talk about Joe Biden's empathy, his, his sort of capacity to relate to people who are in tough spots. Right. And, you know, regardless how you feel about that, you know, that that was kind of what was going on there. Uh, with the Trump kids, we're not getting a whole lot in that sort of vein. Uh, what we're seeing is kind of the opposite. You know, it, it to me, it almost felt like, you know, you should like me because I am a Trump kid and vote for my dad. You're going to do it anyway type thing. You know, it that sort of seemed to the subtext that came across to me from those speeches right right and and you know there you know, and, and whether you like joe biden or not and everyone knows i've got my criticisms of uh joe biden the 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 stories of his life especially those stories about his the the the, the sad death of his his wife and child you know, it's it speaks to just something human. Like you know, you you feel empathy for someone going through that. And you know, there's a lot of things you certainly can't feel empathetic for people who are in certain you know power and 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 class. I'm sure. But the death of of his wife and child is a really sad story, and it actually makes I I think even people who are critical of Joe Biden. Uh, who can experience empathy actually feel for him? It really, it really does, you know, work in terms of just trying to connect with someone on a human level. Right. Uh, Any anybody who has experienced significant loss of their family or loved ones will, you know, hear those stories and be able to relate to them. You know, and the weird thing is, now that I think about it, the Trump family had a, a loss right now. With Trump's brother, and I, listen, of course, Trump's brother dying in his not old but older age is certainly not at all comparable to the loss of your wife and child, and you know when your child was just a couple of years old, I believe, like like Biden's daughter. Um, but you think in this time when when so many people are experiencing loss during the coronavirus pandemic, you would at least try to to bring that up, and I think. What did Eric Trump? I think he he mentioned like let's let's do it for Uncle Robert or something like that. Yeah, but that's, Eric but that, Trump. But that's it. I think that's I think it. I've got the quote here was uh, yeah here it is. Dad, let's make Uncle Robert proud this week. Is it about what Eric Trump said? Right. Now we don't know we don't know yet the cause of death with uh, uh, Trump's brother. I think there was speculation about the reason we don't know is that there's. Uh, allegedly, uh, uh, you know, this is all speculation, a COVID connection. But again, mm -hmm. we don't know. Uh, but at the very least, you can say, you know, we 
we feel what the country is feeling right now with 170,000 people uh, have lost their life. Um, but then again, and that would also be admitting that the pandemic is still an active threat where I believe over, I think, 1,200 people died just today. And this is like a daily occurrence now. But if you, again, if you're watching the RNC, this is the thing in the past. It's over. The pandemic is done with, man. We've washed our hands of it. Trump saved the day. Right. Uh, and we covered this yesterday. You know, there is this sort of gaslighting going on with the coronavirus pandemic and the Trump administration's response to it. Um, you know, we saw that sort of repeated by some speakers tonight at the RNC. For example, uh, Myron Lizer, that I butcher names all the time on my show, and it's just the consequence of like reading all my news instead it's of listening good. to it or seeing it. It's all good, Jerry. Um, so uh, apologize to to my. <laughs> Fuck you, it's man. all good, Jerry uh, Hilt. <laughs> uh, no, but but you know he was speaking about sort of the COVID pandemic's effects on uh, Native American communities and how Trump has supposedly stepped up to try to lessen that disparity. Uh, so you know we're still seeing this rewriting of history, even on night two of the Trump administration's response to the pandemic. And, uh, you know, all the consequences, a.k.a. death, that has followed since then. Right, right. And I brought it up again today. I was like you mentioned, it was a, a theme tonight as well, that it's you listen to these speeches and they're talking about it as if it's a thing of the past. But also I noticed, not to jump ahead, because there's a lot more to talk about in Melania, uh, with Melania Trump, but with the media. What I noticed, and I saw, uh, I believe it was uh, Chris Saliza, who always has the greatest takes. He, um, oh no, it wasn't Saliza, it was uh, David Brooks. Sorry, Saliza. Uh, <laughs> although I'm sure I could uh, just tuck that comment away for something else I'm sure you'll say later tonight. Um, the, the media went sort of goo-goo, gaga, over a portion of Melania Trump's speech where she... Bare minimum here, basically admitted that 170-some-odd thousand people have died. I mean, this is a low bar to be going like, wow, a, 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 you know, a real uh, a flashpoint of the night. Melania Trump reaching out to the families who lost loved ones during the coronavirus by actually admitting what the death toll is. Like, right. I, I mean, this is the same thing. Like, people who follow me on Twitter will know that I have a tiny Pomeranian puppy. Um, but this would be like if, you know, my dog went outside, you know, went outside to pee instead of peeing on my carpet. And then the national media was like, an outstanding performance from Pierre tonight. You know, it's like, He's supposed to do that. Like, th this is the expectation. This is not, like, a feat of politics. This is the bare minimum. Right. And what we've seen repeatedly in national media, uh, you know, of course, some exceptions apply. There's plenty of great reporters out there. But it seems that major networks, at the very least, are applauding the Trump administration for just clearing the bare minimum and absolutely hammering every other politician when they have real catastrophic failures like the Trump administration does. Right. 
So another, you know, another, uh, we can come back to Melania Trump's speech in a little bit, because, uh, you know, that was the, that was the headliner of the night. Um, one thing that, you know, stuck out to me uh, right off the bat, like we I think it was something like 30 minutes into the show, uh, the primetime show, um, was that Nicholas Sandman is his name, right? The, uh, the, the Covington kid? Yeah, again, I I will say I read all my news, so I'm I'm sure I'm right. botching this in some way. But Nick Sandman uh, is what I how I believe his name is pronounced. I cannot believe how long he spoke for. I swear to you, he spoke longer than like the lieutenant governors, uh, the senators, like Rand Paul. It felt like he went on forever, and we'll get to the substance of what he said. But I just have to point out that they. Gave this kid's pre-taped video a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of like what I was saying last night during our coverage, which is that, like, the RNC, sure, it has some, like, prominent political figures, but all the sort of culture war figures that are weaved into this are people you would have never heard of unless you're just absolutely addicted to right-wing media. You know, Nicholas Sandman, sure, he made a ton of headlines, national headlines. A ton of people saw that photo. But it is like the same thing that I I was kind of talking about last night. You know, if you vote in the midterms, you are among the most politically active people in this country. And if you follow political media on a day-to-day basis, like I'm thinking like if I walked into any sort of random establishment, a restaurant, a library, whatever, you know, things I'm not doing now that COVID is happening. But if I just like walked up to any random stranger and I said, hey, do you know who Nicholas Sandman is? What is the likelihood that they are going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy, you know, like I live in D.C., so it's probably different. But even by those standards, I would imagine that the likelihood is pretty low. Right. Um, and the fact that he got such a generous uh, portion of time compared to even people like Senator Rand Paul uh, is kind of astonishing. You know, uh, the, the thing about, you know, I, I remember when that thing happened and I, I, I didn't I didn't talk about it that day because something was, you know, there wasn't enough out there. I did th- Some, I do th- something was off. Right. Something was off. And if you could, people can check my, you know, I don't delete tweets so people can check my uh, feed. And uh, I didn't mention anything about it because something was off about it. And, you know, the, I feel like the, the you know, the. Sadly, I have a different critique of the media than he and the right does with this, but the media screwed up here and basically turned this kid into a right-wing icon. And uh, he's using it to his advantage. And, you know, it's it's they love this stuff. They love the fact that they just have these personalities. It's almost it's like a it's like a right-wing influencer industry. Like, you know, you have your TikTok influencers that have agents now and, you know, your YouTubers who are getting, like, TV talk shows. You, you know, have a viral moment where you're being conservative or right-wing and, boom, you're the next big uh, right-wing cause, really, because that's what he is. He's not just, like, a person. He's literally, like, a cause for them. 
he 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 re- represents something, and that's I guess why they gave him so much time because he didn't really, you know, I don't want to. I'm not going to attack some kid. I have no. I'm not I'm not going to go after him specifically. But um, the right use of him, I mean, it's. It, I mean, we we've seen what this turns into. I mean, this kid could possibly be the next Ben Shapiro. I don't. I don't know <laughs> if I would go that far, um, but. I will say I agree. I do think that um, a lot of people in the national press jump the gun on this story. You know, it, it's kind of a symptom of the media environment we're in now rather than like a condemnation of any individual reporter. This is a viral tweet, and we have to cover the viral tweet of the kid with the MAGA hat on and like this political flashpoint, right? And too many people rush to the story without trying to investigate sort of the circumstances around what was going on. That is certainly not to absolve Nick Sandman of any wrongdoing. I think, you know, what the video shows is pretty clear as day. It's kind of, you know, I I think most people would see that and kind of get a weird feeling in their stomach of like uh, feeling kind of like grossed out by what they're seeing. The smug kid with the MAGA hat, like smiling in the face of... Uh, you know, a Native American protester. But it wasn't this like big nefarious thing that it seemed to be portrayed as or assumed to be. Um, but so, you know, I, I share, you know, we have a mutual interest. I, I don't feel like really beating up on this kid too much, uh, especially because he's just so he's so young. Right. You know, I I am not that old, but like even to me, he is I'm just like, that's a kid. Like that this kid fucked up pretty bad. And like, I, it, he didn't learn from it. He became a hero, but like, whatever. But I do think what he said was important. Um, so Nick Sandman's purpose at the RNC, his message to people who were viewing it was that he was the victim of the quote unquote fake news. He claimed that a quote war machine of mainstream media attacked him, kind of folding into narratives about how the mainstream media is essentially a weapon of the Democratic Party. That's a claim that Republicans have been putting out for more than a decade. Um, And he alleged that the mainstream media has an anti-Christian, anti-Trump, anti-conservative agenda. And, you know, that, I think, was the point of him speaking tonight. He was a clear example where the media, you know, on, on one hand, it's like, don't believe your lying eyes, right? Like, the video is upsetting, and people who were upset by it certainly were not in the wrong. But a lot of reporters did jump the gun, and this sort of screw-up was exploited uh, very deeply, very cynically by Republicans uh, and now this kid who, you know, really should just kind of, in my opinion, like go back to trying to just live his life and, you know, do whatever it is he's going to do, try, you know, finish out college, do whatever, but, uh, become the next Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but I mean, now he is like a weapon in the Republican tool chest. Um, so, and you know, he talks about cancel col- uh, one of my favorite lines is like, I learned what this is called is cancel culture. And I was like, oh, man, this guy definitely watches Dave Rubin right. for sure. Right. Well, I mean, the, the idea that he got 
canceled is just what did he get canceled from? I mean, it doesn't even work with him. Like you know, what he didn't have a job to lose. He didn't have nothing happened to him. Um, I don't. People can call you out without you getting canceled. Um, you know, but let's move on from this uh, this this one because there's so much more to talk about. Oh, my one of my favorite moments of the night, probably right after the Eric Trump uh, dad moment, was uh, Pam Bondi. Now, this isn't a moment that everyone. Now, this is not, I should say, a moment that everyone would have seen, because I mean, but it still it still works. But there was a visual if you were watching CNN, which was really great, and I don't know if they planned it this way, but so Pam Bondi, the former Florida AG, uh, the one who you know. Uh, didn't go after the uh, go after Trump with his uh, university and uh, what was it? She after deciding not to to press charges, uh, she received like a donation from the Trump campaign for her her own. If I'm remembering correctly, the reporting was that uh, prosecutors brought her a case against Trump that she declined to take after receiving a very jitterish uh, campaign donation from Trump. Right. Right. So she's up there and she's talking about Joe Biden and the nepotism of, uh, you know, the Biden family with a Hunter Biden and his uh, his his um, his uh, role on the board of that Ukrainian company where he basically got paid an obscene amount of money, uh, you know, uh, to do basically uh, not very much. And we could have our pro- I, I certainly I don't, I don't think there's anything there there in terms of. The uh, the political scandal they think it is. I think you just have another case of uh, you know the rich having connect the rich and powerful having connections to basically just uh, you know get someone a job. Um, right, right. How many times does it happen? The CEO of some company is just like, hey, my kid just graduated college. He needs a good job, and then some kid just comes in and takes like a quarter million dollar job here. You know, right, like right, right. Again, I'm not saying it's right. I have my problems with it. Trust me. I'm not I'm no fan of what, what went down, but it's not the political scandal they think it is. Exactly. Uh, but right. the, the, you see, there's a moment on CNN where she is really hitting Biden about nepotism. And uh, she's doing this while right under her is pictured a picture, a visual pictured lineup of the next few speakers. And the visual lineup is Tiffany Trump, Eric Trump, and Melania Trump. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, we all know that the Trump family is, uh, you know, is this is all a big money making uh, operation for them. Uh, I mean, literally all of Trump's children either work for a the Trump family business or b the 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 White House uh, because their father is the boss, President Trump. Uh, So, I mean, you know, not really the family to be talking about nepotism. Right. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It, it, it is so ironic to hear all this ranting about Hunter Biden, which, you know, like you personally, I, I look at that and I think uh, like it's kind of gross, but it's not something that's like super uncommon. Uh, and it's not like so nefarious and ridiculous, like, you know, at, at least to my knowledge, from what I've seen, no one's been able to connect this kind of icky you know, dad getting his son a job situation to any sort of major policy change or, you know, regulation that's happening from the federal government. So it's not really a quid pro quo type situation. Uh, you know, it, that is is so almost laughable in the face of like uh, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump 
profiting millions during the Trump administration. The fact that Trump is still profiting just an incredible amount of money, even from his lone hotel in Washington, D.C. You know, major corporations will come in and buy out space. And then lo and behold, a week or two later, some regulation falls in their favor. You know, it it, it is just kind of, I, I mean, the thing is, it's not like a totally invalid criticism, but it is being argued by people who really have no ground to stand on. Right. Right. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, who do you want to talk about now? Uh, why don't you why don't you pick the next uh, speech you want to get to? Because I've been I've been sort of uh, telling you what we're we're, we're getting to. Uh, so I think we should definitely talk about Melania Trump's speech. All right, let's um, get to that because there's other stuff. Yeah, there's other stuff after this that we, I want to get to, including a very specific person who uh, was supposed to speak tonight but didn't. Right. We can talk about some of the stuff that's been going on behind the scenes uh, and kind of just the general tone of the night. But the headliner was Melania Trump. So I think 100 percent we have to talk about this. So uh, Melania Trump is like on track to get a bunch of praise for an RNC speech that wasn't really like so remarkable uh, just because the standard is so low with the Republican Party, it seems like, Uh, you know, Melania talked a lot about, you know, the sympathies that the Trump administration has for first responders, for people who have lost loved ones during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, You know, he said, you know, she says that Trump is fighting, will continue to fight until the very end, until this pandemic is totally gone. Uh, She talked a little bit about her Be Best anti-bullying campaign. Uh, She characterized racial unrest in this country as a harsh reality uh, and urged people to focus on the future and, you know, portrayed her husband as somebody who, despite, you know, the supposed just, uh, you know, onslaught of attacks from media, from Democrats, continues to stay focused and get the job done. Uh, she said at one point that Trump was somebody who doesn't waste time playing politics. That's very true. Uh, and, and you know, it's <laughs> I I don't know, me like like we could pick apart Melania's speech, but really, kind of where I was left by the end of the night was not recognizing at all this figure of Trump that was put forward. Right, right. You know, of course, we can't forget the main you know her main uh, her main cause. Which she sort of built her entire uh, first lady, uh, you know, run as is this you know fighter of cyberbullying with her be best campaign, while she's married to probably the most prolific cyberbully or <laughs> cyberbully. Uh, there is, I mean, it's 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 amazing to see the. The, the you know do as I say not as I do type thing uh, coming from this family and everyone really who speaks uh, at the RNC but this has been the ongoing theme and we're just two days into it yeah I mean the idea that they did the speech and first of all the the mo- when they they cut to the speech the first thing I noticed was that's a that's a crowd out in the Rose Garden. I mean, there, there was no distancing, no masks. That was a, a crowd. Uh, and then, you know, they have her walk down the, the halls. And, uh, 
And I saw a lot of people bringing up, and this was a, a, another recurring theme of tonight. Tonight, especially, I didn't see this so much yesterday, but that was just the the the, the legalities of the usage of some of these government buildings and, and ceremonies that were being used to promote Trump's reelection campaign. I mean, the White House was used to set the stage for Melania Trump's speech. Uh, I, I'm not one to really to take much, you know, whenever I see like people online now going like still to this day, like, you know, I get why it's something to report. Obviously, we're talking about it now. But there's a certain type of person online who's like, that's in violation of the Hatch Act. And it's like, right, come, right, like, 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 like come on, don't you, don't you get it by now? Like, like it doesn't like matter. All, all, all of this stuff is important to note. Uh, right. if, if for anything, just the history books, we will yes. look back on this era and be like, look, we had somebody in office who just absolutely did not give any respect for the rule of law. Um, and that's important. That should be noted. That should be reported. And, you know, God bless those reporters doing that work. But from a political stance, the field has changed so much. You know, it it almost kind of feels a little nerdy. You know, it's like right. chasing after somebody down the hallway and being like, excuse me, sir, where's your hall pass? pass right. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Listen, I, I'm not talking about those reporters who obviously want to, or even just anyone who just wants to mention that, oh, by the way, this is a violation of, yeah, I, I get that. In fact, I think that's important to point out for an entirely different, it's good for the history books, obviously, but for an entirely different reason to showcase to everyone, and to me, this is the real point, just how like fragile this whole thing is. Like it's we're, we're, like the the government's literally built on a house of cards. Like the not you know not to make any reference to any Netflix shows, but uh, <laughs> I mean literally, we have a president who just decided like, eh, I don't want to follow that, and it's fine. It's just nothing. There's nothing that could be done. Uh, I mean, we've seen there's nothing that could be done. So, I mean, you know, but the, the type of people who are all like, like astounded and they're like, oh, there's got to be some sort of repercussion for this one. The Hatch Act. It's like, come on. You, you, like the, fir the first couple of months in 2017, I got it. I get it. But now jump aboard the current day, the current situation. Let's, uh, you know, this is it is what it is. And we have to, but I will to get you know. I will say though, the the um, the citizenship ceremony was was even I saw that and I was like I didn't you know I wasn't like well hot jack but I was like, whew, they're really they're really throwing it all out the window. This one that one took balls to do like that one was right. like the most in your face like that one was ooh I don't right. even know how to describe that one because it's one thing you know. You you had all these interviews and videos filmed on White House grounds. You had a speech on the White House grounds from the RNC. That raises questions about the Hatch Act, whatever. But, like, to have a naturalization ceremony, which is just, like, a function of the government, I, I like, I, I'm trying to conjure up, like, a similar government function that's not going to be hyperbole, uh, so forgive me if this is too extreme, but it's like having a video of like somebody delivering the mail. And then once they deliver the mail, they turn to the camera and they're like, Trump did this. You know, it's right. like, <laughs> right, right. I, I, I don't know. Like this is just something the government is supposed to do. And to have this politicized is 
you know, at, at least from how I see it, like incredibly, at the very least, incredibly gross and at the very worst, incredibly dangerous. Right. right. I'm, I'm picturing my, my analogy would be like, you know, they got to pick a new pope and mm. they're all in the, all those bishops or whatever it is. The, what, I don't know if it's the cardinal, the bishop. I, I haven't been a good Catholic in very long. Uh, <laughs> whatever they're doing in that room. We finally get get to be the fly in the wall and the peak, and the the pope who actually wins over the rest of the popes just suddenly like has a few people arrive and he baptizes them right on the spot in front of them, all. <laughs> like, and that's what wins them over. They do the smoke and up the uh, chimney thing, and yeah, like that's the equivalent. That to me, that's my analogous equivalent. Uh, that's not fair. We can't do that. You could baptize people on the spot there to win over the other bishops. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I, that was, that was really something else. It was, (laughs) and then of course, uh, Pompeo literally taking a trip to Israel, seemingly just to record that video in Israel. I mean, I I believe he's under investigation over that because there was no good reason for him to be in Israel. It's not like he's there and he's, oh, oh. What what do you, what do you know? I just happened to be scheduled to meet with uh, with BB, and uh, here I am in Israel. It's the same week as the RNC. No, it doesn't even seem like that's the case. Right, and they apparently like filmed it with a potato, and like <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I I do like photo and video work on the side sometimes. You know, less so now in this pandemic, but uh, you know the videographer inside of me just died watching his speech it was you know i can't imagine flying like halfway across the globe setting up a tripod and everything and then just like totally you know like missing the focus on pompeo's face by like a solid three inches this is like we're getting very technical hours now but (laughs) that's what stood out to me as somebody who has their brain just totally melted and for all the nerds listening, I believe what Pompeo did is also in violation of the Hatch Act. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're, Matt, we're just going to have you running around Washington <laughs> with like. That's a, little... a violation of the Hatch Act! <laughs> <laughs> so, how, how I would are love we doing to do that time? Actually. We've committed. Oh, we got, to, we got to, actually. We got at least because uh, we started late. We have about a little less than twenty minutes if we want to go the full hour, which I think we're gonna talk at least. Let me get to some questions and comments, and then uh, there's 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 definitely two more people I want to definitely talk about, and they they're the ones who made the news before the convention. Uh, one spoke, one didn't, and I think I think they are best for last because they are remarkable people in a way that okay. uh, is not. You know who I'm talking about, right? The two people I'm talking about. I have an idea, but yeah. we'll we'll save it. So yeah, let's hit some questions, um, and then sort of zoom out maybe, and then we can hit those last two speakers, and then if there's any more questions after that, we can hit those and then call it a night. How's that? Right, sounds good. So if you're in the live stream, we're taking questions. I got a few here, but if you want to get yours in now is the time. Just drop a super chat right in the uh, live chat, and uh, we'll get to them. Uh, Renee says, uh, Trump, the musical. I don't know what you're talking about, Renee, but okay. Uh, Samantha, <laughs> Melanoma, gotta go back to plagiarizing the next speech. 
Right. Did we mention that? That you know, would you she, consider she this plagiarized a like a Michelle Obama speech, right? That, right. That was in 2016. I... Yeah, she plagiarized. Well, her speechwriter did. I mean, Melania Trump isn't writing any of this. I mean, right. Melania Trump is basically counting down the days, whether it be uh, 70 days or whatever it is to the election, or uh, four years and 70 days. You know, uh, but that's her countdown. Um, she, everything else is just along for the ride. Uh, and I have my my speculation as to why. And I think everyone else has that same speculation. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you want to call this a step up or maybe she should have just, uh, maybe maybe she should have just stole more from uh, Michelle Obama. I don't know. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was certainly a speech. I'm gonna assume that she's the reason why they went long because her, her her speaking style. And this isn't I'm not making fun of her, but her speaking style compared to everyone else who seems to be, you know, speaking with a mission. Her speaking style just basically I'm reading off this teleprompter screen and I'll get done when I get done. You know, so uh, right, and, and that's no knock against her. It's you know, English is a second language, so she just speaks slower. You right. know, and I'm not even honestly. I'm talking more about my specul speculative reason uh, than anything else, uh, because I don't think her heart is really in it. But uh, yeah, I mean, either that or the RNC found out what we were doing, Jared. They they they, they didn't know about our day one coverage. They caught the our, our podcast upload late last night, early this morning, and they were like, well, we can't let this stand. We want them to be tired. So we're going to make right. sure we go we go a little bit long. Maybe it was all planned, actually. Melania, uh, just, you know, slow and steady with this speech, you know? Go a little bit over. Yeah, no, I was looking at the clock, and every second past 11, I was just like, all right, all right, let's go, let's go. Blah. All right. Uh, let's go to the next uh, comment here. Uh, Ekum or Ekum. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, why don't you let me know how to pronounce your name and I'll get to it eventually. Uh, I think Tiffany is Q curious. She almost said something mm -hmm. like, do your own research. Uh, did she say something huh. like that? Oh, she she's the one who had that. She was the one who had the like her, her main thing in the speech was how like if you're someone who who is open-minded and listens to what's being said and forms your own opinion and lets everyone share their thoughts, you know, then, then this is the, 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 the campaign and party for you. That was her whole shtick. Right. She, she tried to, like, make the argument that supporting Trump wasn't even, like, an ideological thing. It was, right. like, a principle thing. Right. Um, I, I will say, like, listen, I've covered QAnon for a long time, and... By my own standards for reporting, I'm going to need to see a hell of a lot more uh, than, you know, a line in the speech. Um, I will need to know. see bare minimum hashtag uh, WWG1WA uh, uh, <laughs> in the Twitter profile. That's bare minimum for me. <laughs> uh, that's what I need to see. And when I see that, that's the guarantee. I mean, that's the... That that's the QAnon promise. <laughs> On a personal level, uh, just because it would be so funny to me, uh, I really want to hope that Tiffany is Q. Uh, that I think that would come full circle. I could die happy after that. You know, I I just want Tiffany Trump to get on the mic and be like, "Patriots, the storm is coming." 
I think, you know, I, I could probably retire after right. that. Now, is it just me? But and this isn't a knock on Tiffany because this person who she reminds me of, I, I happen to think she's a I like her sometimes. Tiffany Trump gives off some real strong Miley Cyrus vibes. I mean, hmm. <laughs> yeah. expand expand just, on just, that. Just, I, that just, thought the that same thought has they, never they, entered they, my head. They have the so. same sort of demeanor and facial expressions, and obviously Miley Cyrus is not a Trump supporter. Uh, but something about the way their their you know their their facial expressions, I just I get a real Miley Cyrus feel. Uh, but you know that's maybe a, uh, a discussion for another day. <laughs> night four, just save it all for night four. We can blow it out on right. night four. Right. Well, Ekum continues here. Uh, oh, you know, let me let me. There's another super chat I want to get to, and then we'll get to Ekum's second part because then we could segue from this. Um, Bob with the super chat. Jared, did you notice the difference in camera work? Night one and two. One was like an Oscars, sweeping panning. But tonight, almost no cuts during speeches. That is an interesting huh. observation. I. That is an interesting observation. I, I don't know if I noticed that, actually. I'm trying to think. Hmm. I, I, I'm gonna have to go back and watch now, but that's a very interesting observation. Clearly, they felt like night one wasn't working. Then, if they tried something different for night two, uh, right? It, like, I almost wonder if those images of like an empty auditorium during the speeches just like weren't resonating, or if some creative director thought that was a bad idea. Um, I mean, now that I think about it, it certainly does seem like there was less wide shots. Um, but I hadn't ever like stop to think about possible reasons that might be. One thing I did notice though, was there was a lot less, I guess you could call them on location segments than mm. the previous night. And by that, I mean, uh, I feel like the majority of speakers tonight were in that weird room. They set up with the American flags behind them where they clearly were, they all went to this spot and took their turns speaking at the podium. Last night, I feel like there was a lot more speeches where someone grabbed the camera and shot themselves talking at home. Uh, I don't know if there was some sort of calculation there. I have no idea or if that's just how the schedule worked out. But if you want to talk about production type uh, happenings, that's the one thing I noticed. But I'm going to check out the uh, the camera work differences because then they, that, to me that means they weren't happy with night one then. Um, let's go back to uh, the second part of Ekam's... Uh, Super chat uh, question. Uh, uh, this is more of a comment, actually. I also heard they canceled a speaker who was into Q. Oh, boy, did they cancel a speaker who was into Q. Uh, you want to explain here, Jared, what, what happened right before the convention went live? Literally, uh, I think it, the, the, new, the news broke an hour before the convention, and they removed her from the schedule 30 minutes before the convention. Right, uh, and that individual is Mary Ann Mendoza. She is somebody, uh, there are these figures called angel moms, and, and these are mothers who have had children uh, killed by undocumented immigrants who then leverage the death of their child into an anti-immigrant sort of bashing campaign. And I forget who it was, but somebody sort of called it out today, like 
in any other context or any other like demographic group, we'd call it what it is. If there was something called angel moms and it was like people whose children had been killed by Jews, like everyone would recognize that for like how bigoted and gross it was. Uh, so the Daily Beast reported that Marianne Mendoza had quote tweeted this like insane thread about uh, just I mean fuck me it's kind of hard to follow honestly uh, but it cited like protocols of Elder Zion which is a fictitious uh, anti-Semitic text it's like the the founding block of like so many anti-semitic conspiracy oh theories the, 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 the gist is you know like something a couple of hundred years ago or whatever uh, you know uh, the, the, the the i mean from their point of view it's like the main jew called together a bunch of other jews and they had a secret meeting and like came up with these these rules that would have them basically control have control over you know the the usual things that these conspiracy theorists like to say the jews control Right. So she tweet, uh, quote tweeted a thread that mentioned that and sort of rehashed uh, conspiracy theories that are have been kind of repopularized by the QAnon universe uh, in regards to like child trafficking and that sort of thing. And uh, quote tweeted it with something to the effect of like, oh, you guys need to check out this thread. Uh, the Daily Peace uh, reporter Will Summer. Love, love, Will. Uh, I'm sorry, when, he, when, did, when did you say she posted this? A few years ago? Uh, Ten years ago? Five years ago? Um, I think it was pretty recent, actually. I, th- uh, I was I was queuing you up for a joke. It, it was this morning. <laughs> oh, shit. Are you kidding me? No. I thought... Uh, I, I will admit I didn't remember that offhand, but I yeah, thought maybe it would be like a week or two ago. But was, like, uh, it was a beautiful day. My speech to the RNC, going to share this Jewish conspiracy. Uh, you, know, you know, I I really don't like these ideas. You know, first of all, any attack on the you know the New World Order to me, first of all, you can you can all right, you can get your shots in on Hulk Hogan. I won't defend him, but you leave Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Macho Man Randy Savage. X-Pac, Kurt Henning, there's a lot of NWO members, so I could really go on for a long time, and I'm not even getting to the red and black Wolfpack NWO. Uh, <laughs> this is all flying straight over my head. Uh, there, For wrestling fans, though, there's a very well-known wrestling group known as the New World Order, and for someone who is both a wrestling fan and a consumer of conspiracy theories, uh, oftentimes, you know, it's... I, I, you know, I'm watching wrestling and I'm like, what, wait, what did they say? Or I'm reading a conspiracy theory. And I'm like, whoa, a wrestling reference. I'm like, oh, no, no, wait a minute. No, that's not. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, so they, they actually took her off the RNC. They, they gave her the boot. Right. And it, it, it's really disgusting to see Republicans engaged in this kind of cancel culture. Um, it, it's ridiculous. You know, you just signal boost like one disgusting anti-semitic conspiracy theory and all of a sudden you're not allowed to speak to the nation on behalf of the president ridiculous i mean satire i am being satirical here uh for whatever daily caller intern wants to clip that Uh, (laughs) i was i was actually holding it in i wanted you to i wanted you to completely get the dryness of that comment out and you know but I hope they do clip it. It'll be fun. 
Oh yeah, yeah, tons <laughs> of fun. Uh, <laughs> It'll be fun for me. I mean, I saw you uh, f- uh, getting uh, Michelle Malkin all riled up, and the first thing I thought of was, "Ooh, good way to promote tonight's live stream." <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into these last two speakers, shall we? Uh, you had a couple in mind. All right. Who well, the one, the one I want to get to, and to me. Uh, you know, I've seen her name around, but I will say she is one of those. You know, every now and then there's a name that just go, flies under my radar. Don't really, you know, I don't really know too much about them. Haven't really looked too much into them. And this person is one of them. And then that Tiffany person, Trump. Uh, Tiffany Trump, right. <laughs> just, uh, you know, one thing I share with her father is that we often don't really think much of her and often forget she exists. <laughs> but, uh, no, Abby Johnson. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly was unfamiliar with her other than I've seen her name flying around on Twitter every now and then. But the two things I learned about her today, one is like, yeah, a lot of people were like, oh my God, but this is you know, part of the course for the, 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 for the far religious right, uh, the fringe here. The, that, the one I'm ta- the thing that, you know, I wasn't too surprised about was she believes that the only people should be able to vote are the head of household, meaning that. Women shouldn't be allowed to vote because traditionally the husband or the man is the head of household. And she literally said this on Twitter that it, her own popular opinion is that only heads of household should vote. You know, basically the idea, I guess, is that uh, the family gets together and makes a decision. They talk about who should be who the, their vote should go to, their one vote should go to. And at the end of the day, the man in the house makes the final decision and casts that vote for the family. Uh, really atrocious and disgusting and demeaning to literally, I don't know, I guess uh, anyone over the age, the age of 18 and also, uh, you know, you know, cause this would affect kids who live in the house who are over the age of 18. Uh, but also disgusting to to women who are, <laughs> who, who literally in most households, I guess, would not be able to vote uh, under their traditional family guidelines. I'm sure that would also be passed with this head of household law. Um, but the one that really shocked me, I guess, because, you know, they're all about family and and a lot of these people are all about, it's, you know, their, their outrage is for the children, for my kids, you know, my precious children is this woman was, was, has a video that's been, I'm not sure how long it's been out that video, but she defends the police racially profiling and she says that police officers would be smart to racially profile my biracial son right and she goes on to say and you know that is disgusting on its own but here's the you know here's the the knockout punch here she goes on to say that statistically her biracial son is more likely to commit violence than her white children. I honestly, as uh, I think I would have a loss for words regardless, but especially as a dad to two kids who, by the way, are biracial children. I'm this, you know, I'm disgusted by it. I mean, I'm appalled. You would say that about your kids. I can't imagine even bringing up my kids for a political uh, uh, ploy, let alone saying that about them. Like Christ almighty. Like, like like, I, I do not believe bring up my personal life in a in a public capacity ever i don't talk about my romantic partner i don't talk about my family 
like and to do that and bring it up in the context of like oh yeah police should like racially profile my son they would be justified in doing that is insane you know like Oftentimes we see in these Republican events, whether it is the RNC or CPAC or whatever it may be, it's not that like these people hold views that are so out of line with the Republican base or just so abhorrent that they simply cannot appear. It just becomes a PR problem. So like Marianne Mendoza like became a PR problem. It's not that she wasn't already promoting this like nativist uh, you know, racist sentiment against immigrants or anything like that. Uh, it w- she had a bad tweet and it got reported on and people got outraged and started asking them a ton of questions. And, you know, the first rule of crisis PR is figure out what the eventual thing is going to have to wind up being and just get there as fast as possible. Right, right. You know, I, I, you know, there's also the whole thing where Republicans, uh, the right wing has built up this whole thing as... You know, there's there's good people of color and there's bad people of color. For example, the bad people of color are, are the the illegal immigrants flooding in through our borders, but they don't really have an equivalent, I guess, for the Jewish people of that. You know what I mean? Like they they can't be like, ah, you know, she was just talking about the bad Jews. Like they don't have something. They've never built up something like that. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about that, really, other than uh, that, that that's just one uh, out there explanation. But the whole thing is out there, to be quite frank. Yeah, no doubt. All right. How are we doing on time now? Oh, we, we are. We got, uh, do we, we have a, any other we any could, other uh, questions or? Uh, let's see. I think we're we're good with the chat. No, we're good with the chat. Um, do you have anything you'd like to close out night two with? So, uh, you know, I mentioned that at the beginning of this episode but you know my takeaway from rnc night two like rnc night one had all these weird dog whistles kind of just like weird claims about trump that weren't true this sort of rewriting of history about covid but tonight presented at the rnc was a trump that is like sympathetic to immigrants that is sympathetic to uh you know, minority communities that is trying to do criminal justice reform, uh, you know, really cares about the black community and stuff. And it's just so out of step with all of his public rhetoric and his public policy that at the end of the night, it just felt really jarring for me. You know, the portrait of Trump that was put forward by Republicans at this last night of the RNC does not match with the guy who is actually running our government. It is like, uh, you know, on one hand, maybe, you know, I'm going to do the drill tweet and say you got to hand it to the RNC uh, for being so slick in their presentation and sort of spinning of the Trump administration. Uh, but I'm I'm super curious if people are going to and I ended the episode last night with this. Are, are people going to fall for this? Right. Like this is a, a vision of Trump that simply is not based in reality right and, and you know I, th- I i think that's been your i think that's been your big uh, thing actually the idea that there's this fictional trump they're basically talking about in these speeches that, that doesn't exist for me i guess the thing was the uh, the speeches were all very dry tonight compared to yesterday nothing really you know but it was the the surrounding events of the speeches especially all the um 
all the violations of the Hatch Act. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, you know, uh, but I want to end it on this, actually, because this isn't something we really spoke about. And, and there's not much to get into here. But the it speaks to, I think, what's going on outside in the world with uh, the Black Lives Matter protests, especially in the wake of the shooting of yet another unarmed black man just a few days ago. Um, they had the Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron uh, out there tonight to speak. And one of the lines he said, now this isn't verbatim, but one of the lines he said was something about how we will never turn, to, turn a blind eye towards uh, injustice. This is the guy who is going, like, he's the one, if, if he wanted to right now, he can arrest the police officers that shot and killed Breonna Taylor. He's the guy. He's the one. He's the Attorney General of Kentucky. So the, you know, it, it, it's, again, it's all talk with these guys, even where the areas where they claim they, they you know, they claim they are, doing good and you know trump out there you know talking about uh you know the, i can't get over the citizenship thing my god but like even you know in the most simplest of acts they double speak they say right. what they're doing and they're not doing anything and to me when he said that and just knowing that the decision to arrest these officers for killing a young black woman literally in bed in in her sleep uh I'm just at a loss for words. And and that's what I want to end on because I want to make sure that people know that because I don't know if people put two and two together. I mean, I saw people talking about it online, but people who are listening to this who might not be in the Twitter bubble, political bubble, I, you know, I want people to know that some the, the guy speaking out there tonight for Trump who said that they will never turn a blind eye to injustice or, or you know, he, he he's literally doing that. And, you know, Arrest the police officers that killed Breonna Taylor. Really, that's that's what I'd like to end on. And um, Jared, always a pleasure. I'm I've been having such a good time doing this with you, and we still have two more nights. Two more two, nights. Two more nights, man. Our, our brains can only liquefy further. Right, right. This is you know the the the. It's a good thing that we combined and joined forces. You know, doomed and shitpost basically created a Megatron to take on the RNC because I think solo. I don't know if doomed or shitpost could do it, but together we've got the power. And, uh, and that is the message we want to unite this country on. Right. Together, right. we can come together. Right. So once again, folks, subscribe to YouTube.com/slash Matt Binder doomedpod.com for my podcast and support the show financially if you can if you'd like to at patreon.com slash matt binder go ahead jared get your plugs in so uh you can listen to shitpost on any uh major podcast distributor we're on spotify itunes all that good stuff if you want to get email alerts for new episodes of shitpost you can go to shtpost dot substack.com there you have the option of financially supporting the show uh which is always appreciated uh subscriptions are five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year i believe uh if you want a, a little discount for the long term uh support you know we appreciate that and that helps keep us going all right 
We will see you all tomorrow, same place, same time, RNC night three. Who's talking tomorrow? We got Ivanka, right? And, and Pence, right? I think those two are going to be the headliners. Oh, yeah. We got some heavy hitters. You know, we, right. we've been dealing with kind of, you know, the, uh, you know, lower tier speakers, Eric Trump, Tiffany Trump. Uh, you know, we should be getting some 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 big Trumps now. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I just I couldn't do that with a straight face. Look, looking forward to another night of violations to the Hatch Act. <laughs> take, 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 take care, everyone. See you tomorrow. All right. Have a good night.